Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. Welcome everyone in podcast land. In this week's episode, we talk about Summer Games Fest and all the coolest games announced. We talk about the Nothing Phone 1 being revealed slightly early. And we talk about Xbox Game Pass coming to Samsung TVs. All right. Uh, and our first topic of today is Summer Games Fest. This past week, starting I believe it was June 9th, uh, there was a bunch of announcements from a bunch of different companies, uh, including we talked a little bit about Sony talking about some stuff prior to the, the big Summer Games Fest. And then this past Sunday, we also got a big uh, showcase from Microsoft, as well as a, a few other uh, showcases from Capcom and stuff like that tossed around throughout the weekend. And it was kind of this year's replacement for E3. There was no E3 this year. Summer Game Fest kind of took its place and made it one-stop place for everyone to see what's coming up in the future. Most of the, the games were focused on relatively near in the future. Nothing really too far out was, was announced this year. So no real huge surprises that you would typically expect to see at E3. And that's also because uh, a lot of the companies that you would normally see at E3 didn't show up this year. Companies like Ubisoft and EA, uh, they kind of decided to take a step back. And Nintendo uh, also decided to take a step back uh, this year. But there were still some pretty cool announcements. Uh, and overall, I think the showing was, was pretty good. We got to see more stuff from Xbox, uh, including the fact that uh, one of the biggest announcements is Hideo Kojima, uh, you know, former Konami uh, um, uh, creator of Metal Gear Solid and was also working on the Silent Hill game, uh, is now going to be making a game exclusively for Xbox with Xbox Game Studios. Who knows if the exclusivity will last? Uh, and we didn't actually get to see what game he's making, but in the past, his last game was a console exclusive to Sony. So it's kind of interesting how his last game was console exclusive to Sony. This one will likely be console exclusive to, to Xbox. Uh, and, you know, that's that's just kind of a, a cool thing that we're seeing happen, changing from system to system. But overall, there were some some really cool games. For me, the two biggest games uh, out of the show was Microsoft at their show. They ended it with Starfield. They showed gameplay footage, uh, quite a bit of it for the first time. It looks really cool. Uh, it, it seems like it's way too ambitious uh, to actually be a reality, but hopefully they can make it. It was delayed from this year into next year. We don't know exactly when we'll see it, but it is scheduled for 2023. But essentially the game that they're making is they want a an open world RPG that's set in space, and there's going to be hundreds of planets that you can visit, and you kind of, it's, it's an RPG, so you're going to be talking to people and doing these missions, kind of like a mixture between, it seems like, Mass Effect and Fallout which is, mm -hmm. is really interesting. And they're talking about how you can build a ship and uh, you know you can create a base on a planet and stuff like that and do all these things. So it seems very ambitious. It looks really cool. I definitely recommend uh, if you're at all interested in RPGs, check out the trailer. It is pretty cool. But for me, even bigger than that, it was actually a smaller game uh, called Plucky Squire or the Plucky Squire. And it's a really uh, kind of, strange indie game it kind of reminds me a little bit of ooh, the mario game for the wii that uh starts in 2d but then you can switch the perspective to to 3d 
so essentially Wait, what this not paper mario super paper mario that's the one i'm thinking of yes paper mario. yeah um and essentially what this game is is it starts in the trailer as this character in a storybook as a narrator narrator is talking about the story that the character is going through and it looks really cool it looks like you're a character going through doing these platforming puzzles but you can actually see the book and it's super colorful and then all of a sudden the book the character jumps out of the book and it switches to a 3d perspective and it's like this really amazing looking uh 3d platformer it's definitely one of the coolest games i've seen in a long time uh so that was really cool to see but overall i mean this summer games fest slash e3 of this year was definitely a lot more quiet than it has been in the past i'm sure that has a lot to do with the pandemic uh xbox has been struggling this year as well they didn't really show much surprises to come out this year other than uh the final version of grounded which is the honey i shrunk the kids like game uh, is finally going to launch uh, in its full form at the end of this year. But other than that, we're not seeing much. Forza is not this year. It's going to be next year. Starfield is going to be next year. Redfall is going to be next year. So this year, and we're going to talk a little bit about Xbox uh, Game Pass uh, a little bit later, but other than Grounded and the surprise announcement of Persona 5, there is really no big games coming to big games in terms of like really huge uh flagship games coming to xbox game pass this year but who knows 2023 seems like it's going to be really cool uh i'm curious did you see anything from game pass is there anything that you're excited about you know sony also announced there's going to be a resident evil 4 remake coming uh you know a last of us remake coming for playstation 5 which i don't understand why they need a last of us remake when there was one on the playstation 4 but Just gotta move those units yeah well and also there's a show coming out as well so who knows maybe they're trying to to encourage people to buy the game, play the show, play the show, play the game and watch the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, is there anything uh, about Summer Games Fest that stood out to you? Uh, and do you think that we need E3 back? Was, was this maybe a little bit more quiet than than uh, Summer Games slash E3 normally is? Yeah, I would agree with you. It's definitely more quiet than it usually is. Do we need it back? Uh, I mean... Yes and no. I mean, the games are going to come out anyways. I think it's going to, I think it's really going to depend on the games manufacturers, right? E3 is a big event. You have a lot of people coming to town. You have a lot of people ready to watch, you know, trailers and not even people in town now, right? People watching live streams of it are excited for E3. So they know, okay, this is when there's going to be a lot of new games. And then when companies have these big, uh, you know, these demos, these big trailers that they show off, these big presentations, it gets people excited for the product that you're putting out there. And, you know, hey, it makes people want to buy it. So I think companies are definitely going to take a look this year and they're going to see, okay, how many units are we moving without E3? We kind of, we some companies did Summer Game Fest, some companies didn't. I'm sure there's going to be more companies doing their own little, um, I guess, solo events, you know, their own state of plays, their own Nintendo directs. So I think once they took a look at, once they take a look at how they've done over this past year, I think it's really going to say, okay, do companies need E3? Because if they don't, I don't see E3 coming back. But I think, you know, for consumers, for people who are fans of video games and who go to those conferences, I think they're definitely going to miss it because you don't have that big showmanship. You don't have the big productions. I'm sure that 
you know, Starfield, which was one of the bigger games shown off by Xbox, I guess maybe the biggest game they showed off. I'm sure if there was an actual E3, they would have had a whole setup. You would have, there would have been maybe like a, a mock spaceship that you could walk into and, you know, sit in and maybe take some pictures in. There might've been like a mock home base that you could walk in also be like, Oh, this is what your base is going to be like in Starfield. Yeah. So people go there and they get more excited for it. And then when they see the trailer, they're like, Oh man, I can't wait to play it. But I mean, the trailer is exciting. The gameplay looks exciting, but it would be at a different level if there was some sort of, you know, real world presentation aspect tied onto it. And that's one thing that E3 is really good for. You know, anytime there's anytime there's new big games coming out at E3, companies do a very good job of building displays and presentations around them. So it's not just, this is the game we're going to come out. Here's a trailer for it. This is when you can expect it or expect more information, which, you know, straight to the point, it's entertaining if the game is entertaining. But yeah, I think consumers are definitely going to miss the showmanship. And I think because, you know, consumers are going to miss the showmanship, there isn't going to be as much excitement when these games come out. And I think companies are going to see that. But who knows? Maybe they'll still sell as many, I guess, units, as many games, as many products as many subscriptions right because subscription services seem to be the way to go out of the stuff that i i guess i'm most excited about i'd say number one is street fighter 6 good one but that was kind of it was showed off before at state of play yeah i guess there was some more information given about it now but yeah that one i was the most excited for because of the trailer there's a new nightwing trailer for gotham knights it's a Batman game where you don't play as Batman. You know, don't want to give any spoilers, but that looked exciting. Um, there's a One Piece game where I'm not the biggest fan of One Piece, but you know, I like I like the odd anime here and there. An anime is a big anime is getting a game. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Maybe there'll be an Attack on Titan game coming out soon too, unless there is one already. I might have missed that one. Um, but I, yeah, it seemed very low key. I'd have to agree. And maybe it's, you know, their company struggling with development, with production. Maybe it's just the way the timing lines up right now. Maybe that's the reason why there is no E3. Maybe companies were looking at the lineups that they had and they're like, we don't really have anything to show off in the middle of the summer. So why are we going to, you know, try and scrape things together and try and throw a presentation together? when we really don't have anything to show off and we could just have our own, you know, state of play, whatever sort of live stream you want to have, we could just have our own later on in the year when we actually have stuff to show off instead of, you know, stressing to try and find something for the summer games fest. So there's a few games that I'm interested in. There's a few things that I'm interested in. I mean, there's another modern warfare coming out, a remake, I believe that looks interesting, but I guess no, I'm more of a Nintendo fanboy, so maybe I just miss Nintendo not being at this one. Mm-hmm. But do you think that we need, or do you think consumers need it, or do you think companies need it? Do you think both? Do you think neither? Do you think E3 is coming back? So E3 is supposed to come back. Uh, I don't think it should. Uh, okay, I'll say this. I like. I think the the 
perspective that you gave is exactly the the right one and i haven't heard that anywhere and i'm kind of glad that you brought that up it's the lack of hype the fact that all this stuff is being streamed and there isn't these big booths with um all this cool merchandise and stuff like that to get people hyped up about what they're about to see it's the equivalent of the fact that seeing a movie in a movie theater will get people more excited than seeing it at home streaming and i think that's exactly what happened here because i honestly think most of what we've seen even though we saw a lot less than what we would typically see i thought it was fantastic i thought we saw a lot of really cool stuff uh i thought the xbox show was fantastic uh a huge variety i remember even up until the point where I was like, you know what, Xbox seems like they have an issue with not enough Japanese-developed games, and the moment that happened, they announced a bunch of Japanese-developed games, uh, right as I was thinking that. And, you know, the state of play was fantastic before that, and even the the Summer Games Fest show, even though it wasn't as exciting, I thought there was a lot of emphasis on indie games, which I think is just as legitimate as the big AAA games that we would normally see at E3. So I don't know if, if E3 needs to come back. Uh, I do think that it needs to be consistent where I would prefer all companies to announce their their biggest stuff on that E3 week. Uh, so, you know, we get to see from a Sony and a Microsoft and a Nintendo, an EA and a Ubisoft all around the same amount of time because I think it adds more excitement to that, to that week as opposed to, okay, Sony's going to go in September, Nintendo's going to go in December, and Microsoft is going to go in June. It kind of spreads things out a little bit and makes it a little bit less exciting. But I think you're 100% right. I, I haven't heard that before. And I'm glad that you brought that up because, yes, I do think it was a lack of hype. Because there was a lot of really cool stuff. You mentioned Street Fighter Six. Really excited for that as well. Uh, Starfield. There was a cool game called Flintlock uh, coming out. Rose and Locket. And the big one, uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Kind of like a spiritual successor or sequel to uh turtles in time the the old arcade game looks fantastic and that's coming out in just a few weeks uh and also overwatch 2 overwatch 2 is coming out at the end of this year it's going to launch as a free-to-play game so you know we're going to talk about xbox game pass in, in a bit but yeah overall i think this was a really cool show probably just missing a little bit of that hype yeah okay on to topic number two the nothing phone has been revealed, sort of. So next month, I think we talked about it in the last podcast, next month is the official launch event for the nothing phone one, their debut phone. But on June 15th, Carl Pay and the nothing company decided to reveal the back of the phone. Now, in the first, I guess, the official announcement where they said, hey, we are actually working on a phone, they showed this little this glyph symbol is kind of a half circle with another half circle above and a few lines around it and, and he's like oh it's this cryptic message it's going to make more sense later and you had the theory that hey this is the back of the phone that big circle is where the the uh the charger is going to be where the magnetic charging coil is going to be probably the top left is going to be where the camera is probably these other ones are going to be notification leds and that's exactly what it is so the glyphs match up with the back of the phone. And it also seems like they're going to be not just the top and bottom strips are going to be lights, but it seems like everything around the back of the phone is going to be, you know, different lights, maybe different notification strips. Maybe it's a flash because it doesn't seem to have a, a dedicated flash other than that. But it looks unique. 
I'll say. We'll post a link in the show notes about, you know, their uh, their posting of the phone and just so you can see a picture of it. But it seems like the back is made of a transparent material. It has this glyph, this, you know, hieroglyph kind of image that they've put on the back of it. But then other than that, the rest of the phone is white. So it doesn't look like what you would typically see when you open up a phone, which I find a little different than what I was expecting. But it's still, it's definitely going to set the phone apart from most of the phones out there. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say whether or not, you know, the rest of the design, but what's interesting is what they also did today. So when they revealed just the picture of the phone, they had this little mini documentary that they put together. I'm not sure if you were able to see it or if you saw it. It's sort of like a behind the scenes documentary where they're taking you know, a couple of people from Teenage Engineering, a couple of people from the OnePlus team, they're taking Carl Pay, and they're following them around. And I believe it starts 10 weeks before the launch of the phone. And if I had to guess, every week, there's going to be a new behind the scenes look at what they're doing, them scrambling around to try and work towards the launch of the phone. And it's a very, it's interesting. I think it's a cool piece of storytelling. And I think this is definitely the Carl Pay touch. You know, when we talked about OnePlus first launching and they had this whole guerrilla marketing scheme and nothing had been done like it before. And I don't think anything has really been done like it since, but it was very different. And everyone attributes that to Carl Pay. He's the one who came up with the idea of marketing in this way. I think this behind the scenes, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen any behind the scenes development for iPhones. I haven't seen it for Samsung at all. I haven't seen this from any other company before. And it's it's very interesting and it's very intriguing. And I'm definitely interested in watching more of this because this is a side of the company that you don't get to see. Yeah. I mean, usually when you have when you have companies, what you know, we just had WWDC and all these people came up on stage and it's like, okay, we know who Tim Cook is, we know who Craig Frederiki is, but then all these other people come up and it's like, Oh, this is the, you know, the head of the marketing division, or this is the head of product development. It's like, I guess they are, you know, you're just telling us who they are. They could just be hired actors that you bring along. But I think it's this little mini documentary series. If it, if it does continue for the next few weeks, it's kind of letting us know the people behind the company other than just Carl Pay. Often with these tech companies, it's, they have a very enthusiastic CEO and then People buy into the company because of the CEO. But now we're seeing these different people, not the CEO, not the CFO, just everyday people within the company. It's kind of like you're building a connection to the company at large, to the story of the company, as opposed to, okay, that's, you know, Tim Cook. I'm going to believe whatever Tim Cook says, so I'm going to buy his products. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would recommend anyone who's interested in the phone, just take a look at it. The first one's out right now. But yeah, I think it's definitely a, an interesting touch. I guess my question to you, have you seen the phone? What are your thoughts on it? And you haven't seen the video, but I guess what are your thoughts on this sort of, this mini documentary to build hype towards the phone as opposed to, you know, traditional or not even traditionally, I guess. It's really, if you look at OnePlus, it's when they have a new phone coming out, there's usually a series of leaks 
and they're not really leaks because they're done by the company. They're a series of press releases that give you more and more specs about the phone mm-hmm. compared to what it seems like nothing is going to do is every week they're giving you more of a story behind, you know, the people behind the phone as opposed to here are the specs. This is the hardware in the phone. Here are the people behind the phone. I guess, what are your thoughts on that way of marketing and going about a product launch? Yeah, I, I think it, it it will probably be effective. I, I think it's a, a nice evolution to what was done with OnePlus, where you're going up against these giant phone makers like Apple and Samsung with this relatively unknown brand. The way to drum up excitement is to make it seem like a grassroots movement of, hey, it's not about Samsung and Apple anymore. We can make something that's cooler than them that all this stuff that you're asking for uh, was never done before. And I think that's what they were trying to do with the OnePlus One. So it was more about, like you mentioned, the development of this thing with a community, specifically at the time of OnePlus, with the community of people who were looking to buy a new phone. So it's fans. Um, whereas this time it seems like, okay, no, we're looking to, to build the best phone in a community of people who are just really good designers, uh, which I think is, is a smart thing to do. Um, and definitely a nice evolution to to what Carl Pay did with OnePlus. And I think it's it should hopefully pay off. Overall, I think this phone looks pretty cool from what we've seen of it so far. Uh, it looks like there is like, they're kind of playing with the transparency a, a bit. Like you mentioned, you're not seeing the inner workings of the phone like you would have expected with a transparent phone, but they do have the glyphs uh, that are clearly visible. And then they also seem to have things where like the camera doesn't seem to be protruding as much. Obviously, we can't tell from this angle, but it looks like it's a little bit more flush, maybe just a little bit of a raise. And then beside that, it seems like there's a, an LED flash for the camera underneath the transparent back, which is kind of cool. It's, you know, and you, obviously you get to see like these uh, uniform color, colored charging coils as well. Uh, so yeah, I do think the phone looks very cool. There's a couple of things when I take a step back, though, that I find interesting. Uh, one of them I don't like, and, and two of them I think are, are kind of just interesting. The two that I find kind of interesting is, as a silhouette, to me, this looks exactly like an iPhone. Uh, mm-hmm. The curved, the rounded corners, to me, feel like they almost match the radius of an iPhone 12 and 13 exactly. Uh, I don't know if they do, but it looks very much like that. Uh, and the camera bump at the back, or the cameras at the back, the dual cameras reminds me a lot of the iPhone 10, I think it was, that had the two cameras with a very uh, kind of similar design and placement to that. Obviously, you can't do too much in terms of design with phones, which goes back to our previous conversation of, is this going to set the world on fire? Probably not. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I don't like is from this screenshot that they showed, even though they've only shown one angle, just the back, you can tell uh, that the surrounds of the phone is going to be a metal kind of encasing. So we're going to see a very similar design to what we've seen in the past of like glass and metal. Um, you can even see a bits of the antenna lines of the, the aluminum rail that goes around it, which to me, I think is a little bit of a missed opportunity with this cool kind of design at the glyphs and stuff like that. And the clear plastic, I would have loved to see that spill over the edges. Um, so it could be like a uniform kind of body. And on top of that, from this transparent design, we can also see 
maybe pretty clearly that this is probably not going to take repairability into account. The, we can see some screws through this transparent back and it looks like they are security screws. So, uh, you know, obviously security screws aren't the worst thing. Like you, there's plenty of, of, uh, drivers that you can get to take those out, but it does, you know, go down the road of maybe, okay, this is going to be something that's not super easy to repair. But overall, I, I think the design is cool. Uh, it looks like the phone isn't really huge. And one thing I find really funny is the teaser that they showed of the back of the phone looks like it was ripped right out of a TELUS ad. It was just like a bird <laughs> yeah, standing on bird. it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if anyone doesn't know, TELUS is like a Canadian telecom company where every ad, they always have like an animal uh, in it. And they've used birds many times in the past in this exact same position. I feel like there was an exact same commercial with an iPhone with a bird on top of it exactly like this. Uh, so it just reminds me of that. And Essential in the past was exclusive to TELUS, uh, which uh, Essential is now rolled into uh, part of this nothing company. So who knows? Maybe they might have an exclusivity deal as there with TELUS in Canada as well. But yeah, overall, I think maybe. Cool. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned it looks exactly like an iPhone because in the video that I mentioned, the little documentary, at the very end of it, it I mean, he's talking on a phone. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's this phone but it looked like an iPhone and I had to pause it and be like, is he talking on an iPhone? <laughs> but then I kind of took screenshots and then a bit enhanced the image, you know, like they do in CSI and like, Oh wait, no, that's the new nothing phone one, but it looks exactly like an iPhone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm hopefully the front doesn't look like an iPhone. Hopefully they don't have the dreaded <laughs> notch on the front. Um, and I'm sure there'll be other aspects of the phone also that, you know, uh, vary but mm -hmm. i guess if it were to look like a phone it wouldn't be terrible to look like the most popular phone in the world i mean i'm using an iphone i i not that opposed to the uh you know to the design of it but especially because you know they talked about setting the world on fire they talked about we're gonna build our own ecosystem to rival apples but if your product looks the same it's kind of hard to say like oh no we're completely different than this company we're not doing anything like them mm -hmm. but it's also interesting they uh they didn't copy oneplus with the camera down the middle that's uh yeah i don't know i think that would have been funny to see if they just or i guess oneplus has kind of switched up their style in now too yeah but yeah i guess there's only so much you can do with the back of a phone and maybe sticking lights and hieroglyphs on the back is the most of it or extent of it yeah it, honestly the this picture and this is what i was saying when they first showed us the glyphs i kind of like the the clear i actually really like the clear uh like see-through magsafe case for the mm. iphones 12 and 13 and to me this looks like an iphone with that case on it and yeah uh yeah i think that's a cool design i, I i'm 100 down for that Okay, our final topic of the day, who needs to buy an Xbox console anymore because Xbox Game Pass is coming to Samsung TVs. So I remember a while back when we were talking about, or one of the many times we talked about Xbox Game Pass, I think you had brought it up that, hey, you know, what do you think of game streaming coming to TVs at some point? Can't remember exactly what I said, but I'm pretty sure I didn't think it would happen anytime soon and i am very wrong 
if that is indeed what I said, I mean, I'll have to check with my past self and then let you guys know. But this year, this month, actually, Samsung TVs through their games hub will be able to download Xbox Game Pass and you will be able to play Xbox titles through your Samsung TV through streaming. Mm -hmm. Now, it's only going to be in new 2022 models. So unfortunately, if you bought a Samsung TV in 2021, you are out of luck. I mean, if you buy a TV in 2022, that is a 2021 model, you won't be able to get Xbox Game Pass. But, uh, you know, this is a pretty big deal. I'm sure that Samsung is going to make a deal of marketing that, hey, this TV comes with Xbox Game Pass, so you can get Xbox Game Pass. So I don't imagine there being too much confusion. But uh, nevertheless, Xbox Game Pass will be available in a lot of homes without an Xbox console. And I know when the consoles first launched, and we were talking about, you know, Xbox Series X is it's a powerful console, it's great. But I think both of us were kind of thinking, well, if we're going to get one, it would probably be a Series S anyways, and we'd just be playing stuff on Game Pass. Now you don't even need to buy a console. Mm -hmm. And it's happening a lot sooner than I expected, at least. I mean, we'll hear from you soon and can let us know if it, this is what you expected. I guess it's this early. But I think this is a huge step for Samsung. I think it's a huge step for Xbox. I think at the launch of... Uh, Xbox Game Pass on Samsung TVs. There's going to be about 100 titles available, and they're going to slowly add more titles you know, to the service. But the fact that you could have you know, next-generation gaming on your TV or through your TV is pretty exciting. Now, I believe it isn't... I believe you can't play 4K. I think it's capped at 1080p streaming because it is you know, a streaming service. So even if you have a 4K TV, if you have an 8K TV, if you want the absolute like bleeding edge of gaming, you want 4K, you want 8K, you want 120 hertz, you will have to get an Xbox console. You have to get an Xbox Series X console. But I think the fact that people will be able to game without buying a console and play, let's say the new Halo without a console, I think that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. So did you think this was going to happen so quickly? Are you interested in getting a Samsung TV now instead of getting, you know, a Series S? Maybe you were already planning on getting a TV anyway, so. So, yeah, um, the answer to your first question, yeah, I, I, I expected this to to happen. Uh, and I, honestly, we had this conversation so long ago, so I, it's completely understandable that you, that uh, we don't really remember everything that happened. This podcast is actually quite old at this point, but um, mm. it was before the consoles came out, and we were talking about, you know, PlayStation Five versus Xbox Series, and you know, every time Xbox would announce something uh, that seemed really cool, PlayStation would announce something and seemed like it would undercut it. Like for example, when Xbox announced the Series X and the Series S. Uh, as a much cheaper version in order to get into the into a, a new Xbox, PlayStation then announced a discless version that was three ninety nine, and at the time we were like, "Well, this is pretty crazy." It's like it's hard to see why someone would switch from PlayStation Four to Xbox when you can get uh, such a well priced PlayStation Five. Of course, we didn't expect that they would still be unavailable at this point. But the one thing that we did talk about is 
I personally felt Xbox didn't really care about selling consoles. Like that wasn't their main goal. Their main goal was to sell Game Pass. And I imagine that Game Pass would start to appear on everything. Uh, we were already starting to see Project X Cloud be uh, in beta form on Samsung phones. Uh, and we talked about a little bit of that on the podcast as well in the past. But yeah, it seems like this is the next big step. You know, xCloud is out of beta. Uh, it's launched. And the first product that it's going to launch in, just like it was with Samsung phones, is going to be Samsung TVs. And I very much expect, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll see things like maybe an Xbox streaming stick or maybe a, a Roku stick with Xbox Game Pass. Because essentially what makes this kind of thing so cool, because like you mentioned, this is going to only be on 2022 models of Samsung smart TVs and particularly like their their higher end Neo QLED fancy TVs. Uh, but the cool thing is this is the Xbox app on that TV. So you're getting the exact same interface that you would get on your Xbox, uh, except you don't have to download anything. You don't have to, you could just press the game and stream it. And on top of that, you can use your Xbox controller or you can even use a DualSense, which Xbox specifically mentions in their advertisement for this or in their uh, post for this this new feature. It's like, hey, if you want to use a DualSense, any US uh, Bluetooth controller will work. So, you know, this is really cool. Some people got to test it out at uh, Summer Game Fest. Uh, and a lot of the impressions are it's, it's pretty good. The latency is pretty good. It, I mean, this will completely depend on your internet connection. And obviously, it will be at a lower resolution and not 120 frames per second uh, mm -hmm. because it's going to be coming through your internet connection like you mentioned. But yeah, I 100% expect this to happen. I expect this to hopefully, like I said, sooner than later, start to spread out from just Samsung TVs to more and more products and more and more TVs and potentially even a Microsoft-specific product like a, an Xbox Series, I don't know, L, where it's just a stick that you put into your TV, any TV, whether it's smart or it's dumb, uh, you plug it in, you put an uh, Ethernet jack in it, or you connect it to really good Wi-Fi, and you're using an Xbox interface and streaming games at any point uh, that you want. And, you know, this goes back to Game Pass. Like you mentioned, 100 games at launch, but also they specifically mentioned, hey, games are coming day and date on Game Pass. So you're going to be able to play things like Grounded on Game Pass. You're going to be able to play a new Sea of Thieves or even potentially Overwatch 2 when it launches uh, just from a streaming stick without having to spend hundreds of dollars on a console you probably can't even find. So yeah, this is definitely the future that I feel like Microsoft is going into. Uh, usually selling hardware loses you money. You make money on software and subscriptions. And I think this is Microsoft's fast track into getting out of hardware uh, so they, they can just make money on all the game studios that they own, which after the Activision deal goes through, it's going to be a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Definitely going to be a lot. Um, I guess, does this make you more likely then to get, I guess, to get a TV empowered by Xbox Game Pass as opposed to a an Xbox Series S, let's say? Um, that's a curious question. I, I'm, I'm curious to see, hear what you would say about that as well. For me, no, uh, because when I play a game, I, I definitely, I, I'm like you, I like physical media, first of all. Uh, I'm not even a Game Pass subscriber at this point, even though I'm, I'm tempted all the time to, to pick it up. I still prefer physical media and to buy my 
my games uh, physically. Uh, and mm-hmm. I also don't own an Xbox at this point. Hopefully I will at some point as well. But yeah, for me, I like consoles. I like physical media. I like PCs as well. Um, so that's where I would focus. Although if it was like, uh, if I was in the market for a really expensive, nice TV, that would definitely be a selling point of, you know, I have an Xbox upstairs. I'm going to put this nice expensive TV in my living room. I don't have to lug my Xbox around if I just want to play for 20 minutes uh, in the living room. I could just boot up my Xbox app on my TV and stream it. Uh, so I, I think that's really cool. But same question to you. As someone who owns a PlayStation 5 and you've mentioned you really like Halo uh, in the past, could this be something that convinces you of like, hey, if you ever need a TV in the future or even if they bring out a streaming stick, hey, get that and then, you know, I can play Halo uh, you know, stream Halo when I feel like playing it and I don't have to go and invest in a huge console. Definitely am interested in this as opposed to buying a console. So if we look at the price of, I guess, the entry-level TV from Samsung that will offer this, it's about $2,000. That's a 4K QLED, the Neo QLED 4K Smart TV. $2,000. A Series S starts at $380. If, I don't know, if it were up to me, like, I know that, I know that I need to get a new TV at some point because I have a PlayStation 5 and I'm playing on a TV that's 1080p. Not to say that, oh, you need, you need to have a 4K, 8K TV if you're going to game PlayStation 5 or Xbox. You don't need that. But you know, I've had this TV for a while. It's time to upgrade. So in my mind, I'm planning to upgrade anyways. Was I necessarily planning to upgrade to this $2,000 uh, TV from Samsung? Not necessarily. But if I'm in the market for a TV and I'm interested in playing Xbox games, you know, some Xbox games, it definitely makes a lot more sense for me to get the device that can do both of them. Mm-hmm. Cause let's say if I do decide, okay, you know, I want to play a handful of Xbox games of four game pass in my mind, it doesn't make sense for me to buy a series S maybe, you know, just to play halo, maybe just to play Forza or, you know, gears of war where I could buy a TV that will allow me to do that. And I need a new TV anyways. Mm-hmm. So for someone in my situation, I definitely appreciate physical copies of games. I got the the uh, PlayStation 5 with a disk drive just because of that, because I want physical copies. But for Xbox, which I don't imagine being my number one gaming console, um, it definitely makes more sense for me to get a TV that can play Xbox games as opposed to the console itself. And even then, you know, if they came out with a streaming, a streaming stick tomorrow, I'd probably be more inclined to buy that as opposed to dropping $2,000 on a new TV yeah. just so I can play Xbox games. So I think, like, at the moment, Xbox isn't getting any of my money. I think for them, you know, it definitely makes sense. Why are we going to have this $300, $600 console be sort of the gatekeeper as to who can play our games where we can just not give them away for free, but the entry cost is much lower. I think that it makes a lot, a lot of sense. And I guess my, my final question to you around this is, okay, so it's happening with Samsung. There's talks of possibly, you know, a 
Xbox gaming stick? Do you think this service comes to more TV manufacturers? Do you think this becomes a part of, okay, hey, a lot of TVs are running an Android operating system on their TVs or running Google software. And there's an Xbox Game Pass app in the Google Play Store. Do you think it becomes a point where any TV that's running Google can download this Xbox Game Pass app? And so now any TV you can play Xbox Game Pass on. Or do you think it's okay, they have some sort of deal worked out with Samsung so that it's exclusive to Samsung? Or do you think soon we're going to get it where any TV can honestly play this? I guess, you know, maybe past 2022, because before 2022, I guess it was impossible to do. But anyways, do you think we get to the point where every TV can do this? Or I guess it's more likely that we get an Xbox streaming stick so that through the streaming stick, any TV can do it as opposed to it becoming native to all TVs or many TVs. I I can see this, this exclusivity deal staying with Samsung for a while, specifically because yeah, Xbox Game Pass, especially cloud uh, gaming version of Xbox Game Pass is still at a, a tumultuous stage where they can't really deal with a lot of people having a bad experience. And the reality is internet for most people is not at the place where it's going to be a great experience. And if you restrict it to more premium products, there's a better chance that someone who puts this really expensive TV in their home is also going to have really good internet. But then on top of that, when you limit how many people you're actually working with, you can also uh, validate things like, are the antennas good enough? for really good Wi-Fi performance. Is the NIC, uh, the network card in the TV, the LAN port actually rated for really good speeds, gigabit um, or even one and a half gig, gig card uh, on the TV to make sure that streaming will be smooth. And I think if they just open it up to everyone tomorrow, we're gonna see a lot of really cheap TCL TVs that have potentially this app, but the experience is really bad. And then all of a sudden people are like, well, Game Pass, Cloud gaming sucks. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think they want to avoid that. But I think eventually we will get there. And when it comes to the streaming stick, I do think that we will probably see that before we see other TVs. I'm just, uh, you know, I have, I honestly don't know. I'm just guessing. But the reason why I would say that is because Microsoft would have full control on that, right? They would be able to pick the antennas. They would be able to put in uh, a network card. And to be honest, I would probably think it would be closer to a streaming box and a streaming stick, maybe closer to what the NVIDIA Shield is, like this really powerful kind of box with an ARM chip that runs Android. Uh, I could see them doing something like that simply because there will be more room for really good antennas. But yeah, I, I definitely think as the world world's internet gets better, which is happening slowly, but it is happening, this will eventually be in a TV that costs $300. Uh, or it will be in a streaming t stick that costs $40. So, yeah, it's just going to be a while for us to get there, but it w I think it will happen. Yes, any closing statements for today? Uh, no, just uh, recommend everyone check out the Plucky Squire uh, trailer. It's one of the coolest kind of art styles and games I've seen in a while. Definitely, definitely like to see more indies at the, this kind of E3 summer stuff. Uh, so yeah, if anyone hasn't checked it out, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's a really cool trailer. I will add it to the show notes. 
take it easy everyone in podcast then catch you in the next episode